welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Let's jump into the Word today. Let's jump into Luke. We're going to look at, look at Luke at Luke's Gospel. I'm going to take a look at Luke uh, chapter 2, and uh, we're going to start at verse 1, and this is probably one of the most famous passages in all of uh, the Bible, of whether you're a Christian or not, you have probably heard this passage, and it's the classic Christmas story. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He went up to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. That means fiancé. He went to be registered with Mary, his fiancé, who was with child. And we know that that child was from the Holy Spirit. That child is Jesus. So it was in verse 6 that while they were there, I don't know if you like to underline things in your Bible. That's what jumped out to me when I was reading this passage this week. While they were there. It doesn't say how long they were there, but while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered or to have her baby. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes is um, basically uh, uh, like, like nap uh, the, this uh, sackcloth, like the stuff used for um, grain, sackcloth, very comfy. Wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn or room for them in the inn. Now, I, I want to stop right there because I, I want to look at two things today. And so my sermon really has two points. My, my, my first point is from here to there. Okay, my first point is from here to there. This is what I'm seeing. Yeah, we have a map right here, just so you can get what I'm saying. Um, Mary and Joseph are from Nazareth up there, and that's here, all right? So they're from Nazareth, and the Scripture says while they were there, there is in Jerusalem, there's in Bethlehem, near, near Jerusalem. While they were there, and so I want to talk to you about the journey from here to there, because it's about, for them, it's about a 70-mile trek. And it's, and it's interesting because as, 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 that, as that stuck out to me, and you can just leave this map up there, as, as, as those words stuck out to me, it, Scripture says while they were there, that the days were fulfilled for her to have her baby, and so she had her baby. While they were there, and I started thinking about where is there, and, and, uh, and even, even as, even as uh, Corey was, was talking about uh, going through fire, going through difficulty, there, especially for Mary and Joseph, look, there is the place that they didn't think they would be when God gave them the promise that he gave them. So there is the place where you end up being that you didn't think you would be when God spoke to you about where you would be, right? And, and it's like I, 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 as I was reading this, I was thinking about Mary and Joseph, right? God appears to Mary. God speaks to Mary. He says, look, you're going to have a baby. And as soon as he says baby, she has reference for this. She knows what, what babies are. She knows how people have babies. Now, she doesn't understand how it's going to happen because she's a virgin, and that part of the story doesn't fit. And God says, it's okay. I'm going to take care of that part. Okay, cool. She knows the rest. You get a midwife, 
right? You go to Lamont's class, you figure out how to breathe, they teach you how to breathe, you learn way more about dilation and putty, we, we use Play-Doh for the dilation exercise, anyway, you learn way more about that stuff than you ever wanted to know, come on guys, am I talking, it's like you sit through all this, you learn all this stuff, relaxation techniques, and how to massage her back, you know, in case you didn't know how to do that before, and so like you figure all this stuff, and, and like, like, okay, I, I know what this is like, and in, and in her life, I mean, it wasn't incredibly different, right? I mean, there's a couple things that haven't changed much about humanity. Giving birth is one of them, right? People still roughly do it roughly the same way. Now, we have a lot more doctors. We have a lot more hospitals. We have a lot more uh, medicines and stuff that we can inject into their vein and into their spine, and we can, we can help in those ways, but really, she's thinking, we got a midwife. We'll probably use my family's midwife. My mom will be there to help. My sisters will be there to help. My aunts will be there to help. My nieces. Like, back in those days, these towns were very small. The town of Nazareth, everybody knew everybody. It's about as big as our church, actually. And so if somebody is pregnant in the town, most of them are kind of related anyway. And so they're all, I mean, according to Oprah, it takes a village. So they're all going to be helping me, right? They're all going to help me have this baby. They're all going to help me change this baby with his diaper and figure all that out and feed the baby, get it to latch on right. Like all the stuff, like sleeping, nursing, watching it, like all this stuff. Okay, I, I know how this is going to look and and all of that made sense until God took them there because all of the to, to me there is where you don't where you don't have the resources you thought you would have there is where you don't have the house you thought you would have the one that you guys had been building together so that you could have this baby in it and that you could be safe and you could be sheltered and you could be protected. There you don't have that. There you don't have the savings account to fall back on. There you don't have the rich relative to borrow money from when you need it. There is where you, you, you lose the resources you thought you would have. And I wonder if sometimes we get discouraged, not so much because God has misspoken about what he would do, but rather because when he spoke to us, we heard what he said through the lens of where we were. We heard it because we were here. And when we're here... We're, we're, we're quite comfortable. We're here, we've been working on stuff. Here, we've been saving. Here, we've been preparing. Here, we are ready for something to kind of not work out the way we thought it would. But when we get there, see, Luke tells us, just he just throws it in there at the end of the passage. He says, oh, he, she laid him in a manger in a horse, in a trough for animals to eat out of. And you're going, why was she visiting the zoo? Why is she laying him in a manger? And he's like, oh yeah, because there was no room for them in the, in the, in, in the hotel. There was, no, there was no room for them. It's, it's amazing to me. I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's kind of a big, that's, that's sort of a big detail. Like Luke is so weird. He spends more time explaining the census with Quirinius was governor of such and such and so and so than he does the actual birth of Jesus. Did you get that? The birth of the Messiah, the thing that altered human history, got a sentence. Like the, the, like the pre-birth stuff got a whole chapter. Luke chapter 1 is all about God's activity pre-birth. Like God's doing a lot. If you read Luke chapter 1, it's like 
boom, God speaks to Zechariah, right? And he says, you're, you're really old. Your wife's really old. You guys are going to have a baby miraculously. And he doesn't believe it. And so God says, well, I'm going to make sure you can't talk until you have your ba baby. And everyone's like, well, this is amazing. This is weird. This is odd, right? And then the angel goes in and talks to Mary and says, look, you're going to have a baby. And not only that, God's going to get you pregnant. And not only that, this baby's going to be the son of God. Oh, my. God is really interjecting himself into human history. And then Joseph freaks out, right? because his fiance is pregnant. He says, I'm not marrying her. And then God appears, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. It's almost like God is like so actively involved. He's making sure all the chess pieces are moving in the way that he wants it to move. And then you come to chapter two. And it's like, oh, well, there was this census and they had to travel. And while they were there, they had a baby. What's <laughs> the Where's the deep? Like, this is the birth of Jesus. Like, what? The Son of God just popped out in my way. Like, what? how does this work? How are you just going to cover this in a sentence? I mean, th this is the moment we write all the songs about, right? The first Noel. We, as a culture, spend multiple millions of hours rehearsing this moment and recreating it and drawing it and painting it and, and acting it out and Christmas plays and singing about it. And God spent a sentence. God's like, well, he's you know, he was born. And he was in a manger because they, they were homeless. What? What? No, 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 wait, can we rewind just a second? The part where they were homeless. Because I'm wanting to follow God. I feel like God's birthed something inside of me. I feel like God's spoken something to me when I was here. But then, man, like, I feel like God's showing us what it's like to be there. <laughs> I know. Is anybody, is anybody there right now? Can anybody say, I'm, I'm there? Okay, two of you. Okay, so, so two of you are there. So the rest of you must be. How many are here? Like, you're just at the beginning. God's speaking to you. You're getting some great dreams and visions and stuff. How many of you don't know where you are? You're, you're just lost? Bruh, that's, come on. All right, we, 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 we already talked to the lost people. That was the beginning part, the, the communion. Come on, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Haven't we crossed that bridge yet? Okay, so, so, how many, so look, if you're not here, you're there, because between here and there is also on the road to there, okay? So you might, and the thing is, they didn't know they were there. So I guess it's kind of fair to say you might not know that you're there. I guess it's sort of fair. Okay. Okay. So, so I'll, I'll give you that. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll let you have that one. Because uh, the, the truth is there doesn't feel... Because there is actually where God fulfills His promise. There is where breakthrough happens. There is where the thing that God had put inside of you comes out of you and it ends up saving you. There is where God delivers His people. There is where the glad tidings of great joy is. But by the way, there is also the place where you do not have the resources that you thought you have. There is also the place where you do not have the support system that you thought you would have. Man, our generation is so nasty. Vicious. We are, we, we are the most vicious generation I personally have ever known. We are so bitter. Because as soon as people aren't there for us, <laughs> we write them out. We cut them out. You weren't there for me. Let me, just, just, let me just throw this out. Everybody's not supposed to be there. There's some people that were here that aren't there, and it's not because they're losers. And it's not because God's teaching you that you can't trust people. That's not the lesson. 
<laughs> That's not the plan. You got the wrong email. It's not that God's saying, look, so you can't trust anybody around here. No, 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 no. Some people are with you here. They're not with you there, mainly because God removed them, because God doesn't want you relying on your support system. He wants you relying on him. God will pull people out of your life, not because they're losers, but because he wants you to learn to not rely on yourself, not, not rely on your strategies, not rely on your support system. In fact, this, is, this very scripture is in Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is a, is a prophetic uh, psalm about the life of Jesus. It starts off with these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We, we don't have it on the screen, but if that sounds familiar, it's because those are the very words that Jesus spoke when he was on the cross. And some people say, oh, I guess God must have forsaken Jesus on the cross. But that's not true, because Jesus is God. God can't forsake himself. That doesn't work that way. So, so what he's doing is he is quoting a prophetic passage in the Psalms written by, by David, like uh, uh, 1,200 years before Christ was born. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But then, then as he keeps going, he gets down to verse 9. He says, you are the one who took me out of the womb. He says, I was, uh, you made me trust in you while I was on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth. What's he saying? He's saying even when you, you, you made sure that the conditions of my birth was very much like the conditions of my death. It's dark. There's nobody there. It's just you and me. God was the midwife. God often tries to isolate us, not to make us lonely, but he will ask us to move beyond our comfort zone, beyond our plans and our strategies and our way of thinking in order to trust him. And so he'll take us from where we were to where we need to be, but where we need to be doesn't always look very sexy. It doesn't, in fact, I think some of you are actually between here and there because you refuse to go there. <laughs> you keep rebuking there. You keep praying against there. Lord, don't let me lose this job. Lord, don't let the pandemic get better. Lord, don't I, 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 like, I scroll on Facebook and I see a lot of people pushing against there. Because do you know how they got there? Do you know how, do you know how Mary and Joseph got there? Not because they heard a voice from heaven saying, go there. No, because their, their cruel dictator government made them go there. And they weren't tweeting all the way. It's the Antichrist. He's coming. It says the end of the times. The mark of the beast. Six, six, six. <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting. We get mad at the very tools that God uses to get us there. And we rebuke them and we ask God to get them out of the way and get them out of office and remove them so that we don't have to go there because we don't want to go to a place where we're totally relying on God. But there is where the miracle happens. There is where the breakthrough happens. You, you end up living in, 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 in between here and there because you're stuck somewhere resisting the very thing that God's trying to do to push you there. This is, this, this is what, we had this conversation this week, this, this is what, like, like living according to God's way and God's plan, this is what it does. It forces you there. This is why the, 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 the ticket from here to there is radical obedience. How you get from here to there is radical obe obedience. Because if you try to work things out yourself, if you try to force it, if you try to make it happen the way that you thought it was going to happen, you will never get there. But let me tell you, what is inside of you 
(laughs) is far greater than what you're leaving behind up there. What God has placed inside of you is far greater from, from what you are leaving behind. So much so that they didn't go back there for a long time. Actually, they, they, they started uh, here and they got down there and it says after the days were completed. I don't know how many days it's going to take that you're going to have to sit there. I don't know how many days, but I know being homeless isn't fun. And they were homeless while they were there. Which is amazing to me because Elizabeth, actually, Elizabeth and, and her, uh, her husband lived right there. And Mary had just gone and visited Elizabeth and her husband. She went there, and then she went back here, told Joseph, and then God sent him back down. But this time, when they went down there, for some reason, and I don't know why, I don't know if Elizabeth died during the birth of John or after the birth of John, I'm not sure what happened, but for some reason, she didn't invite them in. They were five miles out of Bethlehem. Is where Elizabeth and John lived. Right, Elizabeth and Z- Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, did I, did I say John? Well, John now, baby John. Little John. Elizabeth and little John, that's where they lived. And, uh, uh, yeah. And so so sometimes the people who are even there, they don't invite you in. People who could open their doors five miles away. And she's sleeping. They're sleeping in a barn. We call it a barn. It's really a, a hollowed out part of a cave. I think the... Latin word is grotto, a hollowed out part of a cave where they would, they, they would keep the animals. And by the way, they didn't have any electricity. They didn't, in fact, and they didn't even, they wouldn't have been able to light a fire in the cave because that's where all the animals were. I don't know if you've been around donkeys and fire. It's not a good mix. <laughs> donkeys, period, is not good. Man, I'm telling you, it can get frustrating there. Because, because you're pregnant and getting more pregnant because things are getting uh, more and more uncomfortable and you're sleeping uh, on straw on the ground with the animals, with the cows, with the donkeys. Man, she, she's over there saying, Joseph, why are you praying you're supposed to be the spiritual leader of our home? How come you're not hearing from God about where we're, what we're supposed to be doing? Is this really? <laughs> Husbands, this is not a time to be nodding. No, this is a time to be going. I don't know anybody that would say that. I don't know anybody that would think that. No, because it gets frustrating when you're there. And God's not speaking to Joseph. I mean, he was appearing in dreams and all this stuff. Nothing. God's not speaking to Mary. I mean, he was showing up at her house, making all these big claims, but nothing. You, like, you get to the most important part of the story, and God seems to, like, back off. And just be like, all right, figure it out. Go ahead and have that baby. <laughs> what? I thought there'd be provision and prosperity and, and open doors there. Hallelujah. Yeah, sort of. I mean, in a no, because sometimes God doesn't want you relying on those things. There's some things that can only be birthed in the dark. There's some things that can only be birthed in loneliness. There's some things that can only be birthed in pain and discomfort. There's some things, some of the greatest things that God's going to do in your life. Or as Paul said, these afflictions are working for us an even greater weight of glory. Some of the best stuff that you're going to look back on a thousand years later and say, man, that was valuable. I still have that with me. I I carried that with me. was birthed in pain and difficulty. It's what happens there. And so if you're there, or if you're between here and there, there's, there's hope for you there. And if we go on to verse 8, uh, in, in that same gospel, it says, Now there were in the same country. Where? 
there, that's right, in the same country, there, there were shepherds living out in the fields. And that word living out in the fields, that's pretty, that's pretty accurate. Uh, they also were homeless for about three or four months out of the year. Uh, shepherds in those times, they would have to leave their homes because whenever there, there, whenever, whenever there wasn't enough grass in the area, see, usually they would let the sheep out, let them graze, and then at night they would bring them into the sheep pen, lock them in, and they would be safe there. And so it's not that shepherds were always homeless, but they were kind of a transient community. So for a few months out of the year, there wouldn't be any grass left there. And sometimes when there's no provision left there, you have to go elsewhere to try to find it. And this gets more difficult. And so they would then have to take shifts and take turns with each other watching over their flock because wolves and rattlesnakes and all kinds of things will come. And so they were, they were there in the same country. And it says now, which means it was on the same night, they were, they were there keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you. <laughs> to who? Isn't it interesting how God works? His son is being born, being born in a dark cave with no lights. Mary's screaming bloody murder. Joseph is afraid his wife is going to die. I don't know if you, if you guys are ever present in your wife's first child. Yeah, it's pretty scary. There's no doctors. There's no ER. There's no hospital to take her to. And, 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 and Joseph's afraid she's going to die, and she's probably getting ready to strangle Joseph. And, and they're, like, they're, they're there, and it is not comfortable, and it is painful, and it is difficult. And God sends some angels to encourage, to strengthen, to bless, to empower, to, to uplift. Only not the people that are struggling. <laughs> he sends angels to the shepherds. Hold up. Well, how come we're not serenading the birth of Jesus? How come as Jesus comes into the world, how come angels aren't, aren't there? Why are they over here? Why are they in the field? Why are they announcing to shepherds? Why don't they go to Mary? She could use the encouragement. Heck, she could use the light. Just shone, shine around her so they can figure out which one is the head and which one are the feet. You know what I'm saying? Like... Like, she could use, like, something, some practical help. No, she's alone. They're alone. They're struggling in the dark. And then God appears over here to shepherds. And it just kind of blew my mind. I'm like, wait a minute, God, why are you going to encourage people who don't need encouraged? And why are you not encouraging people that are struggling? Why are you quiet for Mary and loud for the shepherds? They were in the same country they're in the same country right next door they're they're in the same place and yet god doesn't send angels to mary god sends angels to shepherds and shepherds are an interesting pick for god to send to and, and actually an interesting pick for luke to talk about because remember this isn't everything that happened the bible says that if everything that jesus ever did were recorded it would fill up all the books in the world so we know that there's more things going on and more things happening to the story than what is recorded but what is recorded is what god wanted to be uh recorded and and passed down from generation to generation 
and not only 2,000 years later, but also just in the sort of immediate, in the, in, in, in the initial situation, you have to remember why Luke is writing the Gospel of Luke. He's writing this as somebody who was not a follower of Jesus. Luke, in fact, probably wasn't even around when Jesus was born. He wasn't old enough to be around. Luke is there. He's, he's the personal physician of a guy named Paul. You guys have heard of Paul, right? His name used to be Saul, and it was changed to Paul. He was one of the fa- leading founders of the early church. Uh, his ministry is roughly 50 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. And so Luke was the physician for Paul, and he became a close friend of Paul. And Paul got in trouble for preaching about Jesus. Uh, his there wasn't comfortable either. And he was being persecuted by Jews because Jews said Jesus is an imposter, he's a fake Messiah, and he's trying to mess up our religion. And he was also persecuted by Gentiles or Romans and Greeks because he preached that Jesus was the only way. And they said, well, that's not nice either. We have a lot of ways, and he's messing up all of our ways. Not only that, he's showing up. The power of the Holy Spirit is showing up the power of our witch doctors and stuff, and we don't like that. So he was in trouble, and he was actually uh, a accused and and arrested and beaten several times left for dead several times they 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 tried uh, a capital punishment on him a couple of times and it didn't work and so finally he gets he, he gets arrested and he's in rome and we know that he is actually going to be beheaded in rome and he's going to die in rome and meanwhile uh he's awaiting trial and so most believe that luke uh, is writing the Gospel of Luke as a, uh, a testimony to, to Paul's character and to the fact that Paul's not crazy. So he writes Luke and the, and, and the book of Acts to a man named Theophilus. And Theophilus is probably, I don't know, over... He, he might be the judge in the case or perhaps uh, in the precinct or something. He's somehow in charge of Paul's case. And he's writing to convince Theophilus that Paul is not crazy, that Paul actually is preaching something that is true. And so that's why Luke actually goes into detail about the birth of Jesus, unlike mm, the other Gospels. He says, no, 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 this was mysterious. This was God. And this Roman officer, he would understand when Quirinius was governing such and such. And the, that's why the details make sense to Theophilus, because Theophilus could look at his history books and just 80 years ago, sure, that guy had that, that census and that was going on. Not only that, but he would have been into astrology, so he would have known about the star and how those two planets came together and something really interesting was happening in the, among the gods, as they would say. Right? Zeus was doing something really interesting, according to Theophilus. And, and, and Luke is piecing all these pieces together, and he says, this is what this is what God was doing he was giving birth to his son and so he's writing this to convince Theophilus that Jesus is in fact who he claims to be that he was born in in magical circumstances if you want or or miraculous circumstances and he says yeah I'll prove it to you there was there was in the same country there were these shepherds (laughs) now that's that's, that's okay for us because we've kind of romanticized the idea of shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd. Moses was a shepherd, right? Um, David was a shepherd. There's so many great shepherds in the Bible. And, and, and yet in those days, the shepherd was not a reputable person. Shepherds uh, were excluded from worship uh, in, in the nation of Israel um, because one, their, their, their job kept them too busy. They couldn't go into the temple. They couldn't offer sacrifices. So they were considered unclean. They were considered unforgiven. They were considered sinners, lost, far from God. So much so that their, their, their witnesses were, weren't even permissible in court. 
So if you killed somebody and the only, the only witness was a shepherd or 10 shepherds, you'd get away with it. You could almost say in, in, in the field there were some prostitutes. Because that's kind of our modern day equivalent. People that, well, because of their profession, we see them as outcasts, we see them as sinners, and uh, they're kind of sketchy. And they might not be telling the truth. And there's a lot of things that can happen and go on that prostitutes can't even go to the police about because the police won't believe them. These are the kinds of people. And, 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 and Luke grabs the, the testimony and the witness of people whose testimony wouldn't even hold up in court. He said, oh yeah, yeah. These shepherds, they saw this and it was pretty awesome. <laughs> and Theophilus is going, well, that doesn't count. Like, they're shepherds. So they'll say anything. I mean, they're just to get ahead, right? Just to get a little publicity, a little excitement in their evening. Like, they'll, just, they'll make stuff up. And so it's interesting how God doesn't necessarily play according to social rules. Even 2,000 years ago, he's not playing according to social rules. Even when he knows this, this testimony is going to be rejected by Theophilus, and Theophilus is going to say, well, yep, Paul is crazy because he's been listening to shepherds. He's been hanging out with shepherds. He probably smells like shepherds. This isn't good, right? And, and yet God says, no, 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 include that story. The Holy Spirit says, I want, I want the testimony of the shepherds, not because it's so convincing, but because it reveals my character. It reveals that in the same country, I will, I will overlook faithful people. I'll let faithful people struggle alone in a cave in order to go encourage unfaithful people. So my first point is from here to there. My second point is from us to them. Because if it's true that God wants to get you from here to there, it's also true that God wants to move your focus from you to others. Could it be that in the same country there are people who feel that they are far from God? God wants to show up in their life. He says, He says, unto you is born. Unto you. They're not pushing anything out. They're not screaming bloody murder. They're not in pain. I tried saying we were pregnant once. It's not, I, just, I got in trouble. We have never been pregnant. We have not had babies. We apparently haven't done that. Like she is pregnant, I guess, and she had babies. I guess that's how that works. You got to get the pronouns right. Uh, it's important stuff. And the angel's like, unto you is born. And Mary, man, if she would have heard that, no, 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 no. They didn't push anything out. They didn't sacrifice for anything. They didn't give up anything. They, no, no, they're just out there doing their job. But yet they ain't, like, could it be that you might be struggling and trying to push something out that isn't even necessarily just for you? I think there's a lot of outcasts in the field who never receive the message that they've been accepted by God because there's a lot of Christians in the cave that will not push it out in silence. We, we wait for God to bring his angels and show up to us and encourage us before we are obedient. Oh, I, need, I, I, need, I, I need a sign. I need another sign. How about a third sign? Give me a third sign. But man, what God could do for people in secret who in obedience suffer what God brings along their way and produces what God has placed inside of them so that unto you something could be born, somebody else. So that something could be born and presented and given to somebody else. The angel said, unto you is born this day in the city of David. A savior 
who is Christ, the Lord. Three titles. I think it's the only place in all the scriptures those three titles are put together like that in one sentence. A Savior, in other words, to deliver you from your sins, who is Christ, the special, the anointed, the only one, who is the Lord, in charge, the boss. And that is, that is the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus comes to save you from your sins. He comes to be the only one that you rely on and that you believe in. And then he comes to be in charge and to call the shots in your life. And so if we could just bow our heads, let's pray right now. And maybe if they could turn the air conditioner on, the Holy Spirit would move in a mighty powerful wind. <laughs> I would feel that <laughs> people pray better when they're not sweating. And then because the sun's coming out, it's crazy Texas weather. But Lord. We come before you right now, and, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not sure where you're at. I'm not sure if you, if, you're, if you need a Savior. I'm not sure if you need a Christ or if you need to submit to his Lordship. <laughs> but this is who he is. He's come for all three. And so, Lord, wherever we're at right now, we might be at the Savior place. We're lost. We're, we're, we're broken. We're far from, from God. We need that amazing grace that saves a wretch like me. I once was lost and now I am found. This is the good news about being there. Even if you're in the middle of the field and you've had to go out further than you wanted to go because you don't have what you need, God knows exactly where you're at and he will show up in your life. He will suddenly show up, actually. <laughs> just, just suddenly. He, there's no appointment scheduled. He just shows up. Lord, may you just show up right now on the conscience and the minds of people. Not even just people in this room, but people in this same country, in America, in this same country that need a revelation of your presence and of your love, that need a revelation of the Savior of the world. Lord, would you just show up right now, peel back the curtain between between heaven and earth let them let them get a vision into reality what is real what is happening right now they can't see it but it's happening right now the love of god is being poured out for them right now lord would you pull back that curtain would you drop that curtain would you suddenly announce to them give them the message in, in a way that makes sense to them in the way that they receive it in the way that they can that they can hear it that there is a Savior who has been born. That there is a Savior who is on the throne. There is a Savior who is ready to save them from whatever they're stuck in. Who is able to save them. Lord, may the revelation of the Savior just happen suddenly. As suddenly as those angels just appeared, may your revelation of your Saviorhood just show up in our lives. And Lord, for those that need you as the Christ, once we receive you as a Savior, we must receive you as the Christ or the only way or the one and only, the special one in, on which we must rely, the anointed one, the one through which the anointing flows. We don't receive anything from God except through Jesus, except through a relationship with Jesus. Lord, may we pursue that relationship so that we're not just simply people who have been saved, but that we are people who have followed the Savior who is Christ. We have believed on Him. That's what it means to believe or to trust or to lean on Him, to put all of our chips on the table for Him, to, to rest our entire life on Him, to hang on the balance of Him, to be, to be cursed with Him, <laughs> to be made fun of with Him, to be thought less of with Him. 
to identify with him that he is the Christ and he is the anointed one and my anointing and my, the, my, my, my connection with God flows through him. Well, we're open to receive more of that anointing. We're open to receive the anointed one. He's not only the Christ, but he's also the Lord. He is king. He is boss. He calls the shots in our life. He decides who we marry, who we date. He decides where we live. And his word is the final authority on all of our activities. Hmm. Doesn't matter what's popular. Doesn't matter what other people are doing. Doesn't matter how other people are doing their taxes. His word is the final authority on all of our activities. Let us, let us live in such a way. We're, we're going to die and we're going to stand before one person. And that one person is going to stare into our soul. And his words are the only words that matter. If he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. It doesn't matter what anybody else says or, or, or the quality of our life here. We're not here for ourselves. We are under the lordship of Jesus. We are submitted to the lordship. There might be an area of your life that you need to submit to him. There might be an area that you've been bucking him <laughs> that you know. You got reasons for it, and that's all cute. But at the end of the day, if he's lord, all of our reasons go out the window. We lay them all down at his feet, and we say, okay, I'll do what you're saying to do. I'll live how you're saying to live. Jesus, we submit to your lordship today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.